0: Hi everybody, this is Mark Becker, and I am the Associate Executive Director of Child Welfare, and I'm happy to be reading our mission statement. Caritas Family Solutions strengthens the social and emotional well-being of individuals and families in order to create healthy relationships, loving homes, and strong communities. Now get excited everybody, it is time for your cast. Welcome to k Cast. I am your host, Joel Malone, and with me always is... Brandon Montgomery. How you doing, Mr. Joel? I am doing great. Another great Friday. is summertime. It's July. It's July. It's hot. It's warm. I
1: love this weather. I like it spicy. That's how I like my summers. Hot. I like fireworks. I, I had a great 4th of July. Did you have a great I was going to
0: ask you that. I had a great 4th. I saw fireworks. It was, it was a scorcher. It was hot. It was hot, but It was yes. a good time. Had some good food, so I wasn't complaining at all.
1: Yeah, it's it was a great... great... Great time, good food, good family, good fun. I hope everybody out there in Caritas land also had a a great 4th of July. And July, besides bringing us Independence Day, actually brings us an awareness month that I wasn't aware of myself. So if you remember, as an agency back in May, uh, we celebrated Mental Health Awareness Month. A great month just to kind of bring attention to the stigma that surrounds mental health and how some people are kind of afraid to reach out for help sometimes. Uh, They see it as a sign of weakness or whatever it may be. Um, So that month is geared towards uh, just making people aware that, you know, there are those out there that live with mental health issues and it's okay to get help. But July actually brings us Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Most people don't know this, but one out of
0: five Americans suffer from some type of mental illness. Wow. On top of that, 14% of the US population who identifies as black or African American, 20% of those individuals are suffering from mental illness this year. That equates to over 7 million people. That's more than the population in Chicago, Houston, and Philadelphia combined. Many different cultures had many different beliefs. Um, A lot on top of that issues with poverty, issues with lack of adequate health care. So there are a lot of things that play into reasons why certain populations don't necessarily reach out for mental health services, Um, but, but I would greatly hope that everybody at Caritas uses our EAP EAP program. Absolutely. And the reason I say that is one, it's free. Yeah. And your family can use it too. Yeah. And on top of that. It's 100% confidential.
1: You can go to the intranet and click on a link on on the home page on the intranet, everyone. You can click on the EAP link and access everything on your own. It can be confidential.
0: It is 100% confidential. No one knows about it. I, I would highly recommend, even if you just want to say, hey, I just want to check in on myself for maybe a quick half hour, an hour, just to make sure that any type of feelings I might be having are actually true. Because a lot of times we just need to question some of those beliefs or, or those thoughts that we have and say, hey, are these really logical or is this just something emotional I'm feeling right now? And it doesn't hurt to just speak to someone about this. So I would highly recommend, please go
1: to our internet site and use those resources that are out there and it's free. Reaching out for mental health assistance is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. strength. It, it, it absolutely is. So now to kind of talk more about that, because uh, you and I, we can share our lived experiences, yeah. but we are not experts in mental health. So we wanted to bring someone in who is an expert, who has that educational background. And we are so grateful today to have with us uh, one of Caritas's wonderful therapists. Um, He's really just a, a wonderful human being, really cares about our clients, uh, Mr. Franklin Gray. Thanks for being with us today, Frank.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here and uh, you inviting me to your podcast and we can kind of talk about some of these issues. Well, thanks for being with us. Yeah, we're, thanks for joining us today.
1: We were just mentioning that, you know, we can speak to our lived experience when it comes to, to mental health, but we're not the experts. So we wanted to have someone, on you who, someone like you on that who is an expert. So can you kind of share with us what your credentials are and your educational and work background?
2: Oh, sure. So I actually got my undergraduate degree in social work, actually, from Southeast Missouri State and I graduated in 2009. And then I went on to Florida State University and I graduated in July of 2021. uh, And I also got my master's degree in social work there. And I was able to uh, use my credentials to uh, get a job here at um, St. John Bosco. And eventually, my plan is to get my uh, degree as a licensed social worker to, you know, kind of do mental health services um, in various places, not just Caritas.
1: Great. Great. Well, I, we feel so grateful to have you on the show and so grateful that you're out there at St. John Bosco, um, helping those children. And we, we were talking about some of the differences between, you know, just general, you know, mental health awareness month and minority mental health awareness month. And me, I was somewhat naive to differences, but between people's backgrounds and how that might affect their, their mental health. So can you kind of speak to that a little bit?
2: Uh, Yes, Um, there was something that um, we had talked about earlier before where um, like the difference between like just mental health in general and minority mental health is that a lot of black people. We have a lot of stigma when it comes to um, mental health and getting help in our mental health services. Um, A lot of the trauma that we face is, you know, of course, from slavery and then having to sort of navigate that in the present day. Um, it's something that we definitely need to address because it's, it's very important for, um, you know, not our, not only our future as individuals, but all of us moving forward. Um, it's very important that you focus on your mental health because it's just as important as, you know, getting help for, you know, a physical wound that you have. Like if you have a broken leg, you, you certainly need to have somebody administer some aid to that. And that would be the same thing for mental health as well. You, you need the help to, you know, help you adjust and become a better person in society.
1: So why in the the black community does there seem to be a stigma about, you know, first of all, having a mental health issue, and then second of all, asking someone for help?
2: I think the stigma is that there's not very many uh, black clinicians who are available, um, or at least not as many to, you know, go ahead and talk to members of that community, Um, meaning that, you know, it's, it's Oftentimes, I would say black people would have it easier to talk to another person who looks like them to discuss some of the cultural issues that we face. And given the fact that there's not too many black people who are, you know, in the mental health field as professionals to deliver the services. But I also think it's just the stigma of, you know, just being able to, you know, talk through these things. And it's not as. Not that it's not valued, because that's certainly not true. I think a lot of black people in general do value mental health services, but I think it's also a lack of understanding about like how it works and the process of it as well. And those two things combined sort of make it, in my opinion, at least how it is today where there's that stigma. Right. Frank said it perfectly. Again, lack of clinicians.
0: I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but. Worldwide, there's a lack of therapists or lack, lack of therapists in the workforce currently. So that's one issue. Um, also, having therapists that fully understand the plight of the BIPOC population as well, to fully understand those issues that individuals of color are facing every day, that's another issue. Um, again, we talked about poverty and having lack of resources and then, of course, just a, l- a lack of adequate health care
1: as well. As you, you guys were talking about this, I was reminded of a friend of mine who, who was not a minority, but he did uh, return from the Iraq war and he was living with PTSD. And he said that he was he's he found it challenging going to see a therapist who also wasn't a veteran as well, because they didn't have that war experience and he had trouble relating to them uh, in a therapy session. Is that similar to how it would be for someone who is a minority who isn't going to see a a therapist that that looks similar to them? Yes.
2: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, Again, and going to, um, you know, what you were talking about earlier, just the fact of the, the lack of black clinicians, and I would even go one step further the lack of black male clinicians on top of that, where, um, you know, people like me are, you know, there's certainly people in my field who, you know, black men who do this, um, but it's not as often as, you know, black women who are in this field and nothing against that or anything like that. But it's, it's hard to have, say, for instance, men don't typically get treatment for issues in general and to then, try and find a Black man who could relate to the struggles of, you know, being in that situation, having to, you know, uh, balance, you know, life and our own, you know, gender specific obstacles that we have to face. You know, it's hard to even find somebody like that to even have that conversation. So it it just makes it very difficult overall.
1: And as men in general, we're the last that's people to doing. say it hurts or, or we need we need help. John Wayne don't complain, right? Yeah, that's gonna be
0: my next comment about that. Like when do most men
1: come together and like
0: say, like, hey, I'm really feeling this type of way or I'm I'm really internalizing this and need somebody to speak to it. At least from my personal ah. perspective, I don't know a lot of men that do that.
1: So. We see it as a sign of weakness, but truly saying, I need help. That's that takes bravery. So that that's a sign of strength. And Frank, you had mentioned that, you know, some of this, this stigma related to going uh, to getting help may be related to just a lack of understanding of the process. Maybe that, you know, some people are worried about the confidentiality side of it, or they're just worried about, you know, they're, they're scared of the unknown. You know, what is a therapy session going to be like? So can you kind of, give us an idea, Frank, of of what someone might expect when they're entering into the therapy scene, when they initially ask for help and they, they get their first session, what's it like for them?
2: Okay. So um, basically, whenever you first come into a therapy session, I would say Um, Usually the first few sessions are you getting to know the therapist and the therapist getting a chance to know you, Um, you know, what are your backgrounds, you know, what are the issues that you're coming in um, to to face, and then, you know, they'll discuss about like, you know, your history, like what happened before you got to this point. Uh, So to give you a small example, let's just say if a person comes in for, you know. If they have an the issue with alcoholism, we'll say, right? Um, a therapist will say, hey, you know, my name is this. What's your name? You know, what's your problem? And then they will describe, you know, I drink this much. How often? Um, and this is what I came help for. And during an exchange, you and the therapist will, you know, sort of discuss what your strengths are. You know, what what is it that you, think is going to help you overcome the situation? And what are some things that maybe you aren't so great at? You know, is it the fact that you are, you know, maybe don't have as much, or are you drinking because of stress? Are you self-medicating for, you know, some reason or whatever? And between the two of you, you will work out a plan to figure out how we can move forward. Um, and I want to say that one important part about all of this is that one thing about therapy is that it's a process. It's not a magic wand. You know, we can't just say, Hey, you know, now that I go to therapy, I'm instantly cured. It's a long process. And during that time, no matter what your situation is, you are going to not necessarily relapse, but you might go back into old habits that are not helpful in, for you to get to the um destination that you're looking for or the outcome that you're looking for and it it's a process and it takes time so if you aren't in this process make sure that you are forgiving of yourself and give yourself enough grace we are all works in progress and you need it. It just takes time. So be patient with yourself.
1: So there's certainly, you know, challenges and differences um, as it relates to minority mental health in the adult population. Um, do we see differences in minority mental health in the child population? Because you, you are primarily serving children.
2: Um, well, as far as the children are concerned, I think across the board, the number one problem that I see is fatherlessness. Um, And many members of the black community, myself included, were raised by, you know, single parent households. And um, there's a lack of uh, positive male role models in all of our lives. And so um, if there's like, say, a black male child who comes in, um, that person's not always um, assigned to me. Um, It just sort of depends on their their situation, their circumstance. Um, But yes, more or less, they're usually paired with me. And for me, as far as the children is concerned, I usually take more of a mentorship role because there is that lack of father, you know, that father figure in that uh, role. And I don't pretend to say that I'm, I'm definitely not trying to take the place of anybody's father or anything like that. but a lot of these children can very much benefit from like a, a positive male role model to like teach them more a little bit about life. And, you know, these are some things that you're going to face and these are some challenges that you have to overcome.
1: I'm I'm kind of getting chills as you're talking because I'm, I'm so mm-hmm. happy that we have someone at Bosco like you that, that sees that need for, you know, kind of filling that, that mentorship role as well as that. that that clinical role of, of being their mm-hmm. therapist. So if you were to, to speak to the minority population in our community and specifically uh, the population that may be living with uh, a mental concern, a mental health challenge right now and are afraid to ask for help. Frank what would you you say to everyone kids adults you know that are just you know curious about getting into the process how would you encourage them
2: so um there's a few uh, opportunities that are available to you um first and foremost just um reach out and see like say for instance if you have health insurance um look to your you know health insurance to see who's available to you as a provider who lives in your area that's the first step and for those of you who don't have health insurance um, if you are close enough to like say a college or something like that most colleges have like a a school of psychology or a social work program and they all have students that are looking for practice and many people might be worried hey like i don't know if i want to get you know a student to practice on me each of these students are monitored by a practicing license you know, uh, you know, professional who is going to monitor their cases and things like that. So this way you can get the help that you need uh, at either a cheap, low or free cost to you if you have that available to you. Um, And then furthermore, I think there is a national like mental health uh, phone number that you can call. It, It escapes me the name of it at this moment. But if all else fails, there's like the suicide prevention line. Um, that you can call for mental health services, and if you call them, they can connect you with any mental health services that might be available to you. And uh, the last thing I would just say is, like, go go get the help you need. I know it's scary, kind of talking about the problems that you have, and really being vulnerable with another person to explain, like, you know, these are some shortcomings that I have. But you know, it's important because I think as a the the whole purpose of therapy is for you to be free. And what I mean by that is that the issues of your past and the traumas don't shackle you to doing the bad behaviors that keep getting you caught up or keep getting you into trouble in order to have therapy and you deal with those issues. You are truly free. And that's the next step to be free.
0: I was going to comment on that, too, Um, at least some of the things that I have read, even thinking about. Uh, potentially utilizing counseling services as well. Is that it, at least in my personal opinion? I'm not a certified clinician, but a lot of times people carry things from their past all the way from childhood to adulthood. And it's really kind of analyzing those type of situations and say, hey. I realize this is something from my past, but I'm trying to change now. I'm putting in a plan in place to actually move forward So
1: a healthy plan, not yeah. a, not a plan to uh, abuse alcohol or drugs or ignore the problem, a plan to, to really address it and, and finally make a change. And I feel like, you know, the, the, the people in our community are going to benefit so much from hearing this conversation. And I feel like that the children at Bosco are benefiting so much from having Franklin on staff. So uh, Frank, thank you so much uh, for, being with us today and and having this conversation, it, it was incredibly important. So we we are so grateful that you were with us. We greatly appreciate you.
2: Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, have me on. And I really appreciate it. And just one further thing, we do have another black therapist here. His name is Dwayne Gill, who's also uh, working closely with me with some of our youth as well. So, um, you know, there's plenty of people out there who are willing to help. You know, you just gotta. You know try and find us and we'll do what we can to try and
1: help you okay all right Alrighty. thanks again frank you have a great day and a great rest of uh, july for you my friend we will do and you do the same take it easy thanks. thanks
3: hi this is kara davis and i'm the associate director of residential behavioral health services at the royal heights location and i'm very happy to be sharing our mission moment with you I'd like to talk about a successful discharge that occurred because of the dedication of several different teams working together. We had a youth who had several previous placement failures, so we began to look at his new transition with hope, but also with caution. The youth service coordinator, Zaria, was attending a TBRI training that was being facilitated by our Director of Trauma-Informed Care, Krista Teckenbrock, and Zaria recognized that the teachings could help to ensure a successful discharge. Zaria reached out to Krista, who enthusiastically agreed to involve the family in training. The family fully embraced the teaching. They also involved the extended family members who would be providing care for the youth to fully engage in trauma-informed care and transition. Consistency in ways that the youth was engaged have resulted in a successful transition from residential care to a loving trauma-informed home. And it all happened because of the dedication of the Caritas team and their commitment to the mission of Caritas. I'm proud to be a part of the Caritas team and I'm so grateful that we are making a difference in the lives of our youth. Thank you.